0: Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Here are today's top stories. Former President Trump heading over to Miami as he prepares for another historic arraignment slated for Tuesday. We'll bring you the latest from the courthouse, where security is being ramped up ahead of expected protests. Billionaire George Soros is handing over his massive empire to son Alexander who says he's more political than his father. We'll bring you the details and what Alexander says about his 2024 presidential election. A new week, a new warning about artificial intelligence, as policymakers around the world are racing to regulate it. And Lionel Messi was detained by Chinese police. The Argentine star landed in Beijing for a friendly match, but was stopped because of a a passport mix-up. After being indicted for his handling of classified documents, former President Donald Trump is headed to Miami ahead of his Tuesday court appearance. Joining us now is NTD's Iris Tao on the ground. Iris, what are we expecting to see over there?
1: Good afternoon Chris. So we're at the federal courthouse in Miami today where Trump is expected to make an appearance here on Tuesday for his arraignment later for 3 p.m. Eastern time. And what will happen here is that Trump will have the charges against him read to him by a judge in a courtroom. And according to the indictment document unsealed last week, we know that these charges will likely include allegations that Trump first willfully retained classified information about national defense information, conspired to obstruct justice, and made false statements. But we do have to wait until that hearing tomorrow to find out what these exact charges will be. And we also know that Trump is, you know, being watched. And a big question is whether he will have to be fingerprinted and photographed. For a mugshot tomorrow. Of course, another thing that we are watching is which entrance he will take either through the main lobby here or perhaps through a more low profile entrance like the underground tunnel. But that said, we do know a few things this far. For example, Trump will be flying in from New Jersey this afternoon to Miami and specifically heading to his golf club here, the Trump National Durrell in this afternoon where he will be meet will be met by his supporters greeting him outside and waving flags at him and will stay there overnight before his Tuesday arraignment. And after the arraignment, right after the arraignment, actually hours later, he will be flying back to New Jersey where he will be giving a speech that night. And that's pretty much what he did last night. Last time when he was arranged in New York as well because he flew back to Mar-a-Lago right after to give a speech that night and of course we also know that the security here will be ramped up because we all know that supporters and pro- protesters will be coming here to the courthouse to either support or protest against Trump so we will be tuning in to that 2 p.m. press conference by the Miami mayor this afternoon about which specific security measures will be in place for his Tuesday appearance Chris
0: Is this classified documents case against former President Trump politically motivated? For answers I spoke with Mark Ruskin, author of The Pretender, My Life Undercover for the FBI and former assistant district attorney in Brooklyn. Mark Ruskin, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here, Chris.
0: Mark, by your estimation, is the federal government's case against Donald Trump uh, politically motivated or is the law being p- fairly applied here?
2: Well, it's too, really too early to tell whether it's being fairly applied or not. I mean, We know that ne- there have been situations now where classified documents have been unearthed in the uh, private areas or residences or offices of either sitting president or former presidents. So the only way we'll know if it's being evenly applied is to see how it's applied in the cases of the other uh, similarly situated executives and and former executives.
0: So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Donald Trump and his supporters have said that the special counsel in charge of this investigation is um, politically uh, uh, politically biased, um, anti-Trump. Uh, why is that?
2: Well. You know, judging by the this particular special counsel's you know, background, it does appear that he's been operating operating more on a you know on a, along political lines, you know, uh, essentially pro Democrat lines over the past uh, over his career actually. So, uh, you know, the would would raise certain questions in terms of uh, the question that you're asking is the rapidity with which this investigation was conducted and brought to an indictment. Now, if you compare it to uh, the uh, investigation that's being done by the special counsel, who was ultimately appointed in the Hunter Biden and et al situation, it seems like this was brought at lightning speed by comparison, while the other one is being so, kind of slow off, or so it appears.
0: So maybe we're seeing some signs of that kind of uh, bias, anti-Trump. Can you give us any other examples of uh, Jack Smith's, you know, bias, like you like you were mentioned?
2: Well, his his appointments over the years, uh, you know, seem to indicate that you know he's been appointed generally by uh, in the in the, in Democratic administrations. Now that wouldn't necessarily be a, a problem if. He applies the law and conducts an investigation in an objective manner. You know, uh, prosecutors are allowed to have opinions. However, one thing which would raise certain questions is the way that he's referred to this uh, particular indictment in terms of, you know, the crimes being particularly grievous crimes. So, it seems a little... Uh, surprising that a prosecutor would be characterizing the nature of of the crimes in his uh, public uh, pronouncements, rather than appearing to to have uh, the appearance of of, uh, neutrality. A prosecutor has to investigate and and bring charges, but, but not to appear to have a particular bias one way or the other.
0: Mark Ruskin, former assistant district attorney in Brooklyn, and author of The Pretender My Life Undercover for the FBI. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me.
0: A woman only spa must now admit men if they claim to be women. That's what a judge in Washington state ruled. The judge says the constitutional rights of the owners, employees and patrons of the spa were not infringed. This when officials ordered the spa to provide services to transgender women with male genitalia. The Christian owners of the spa say it was designed based on their spiritual belief that men and women should only be nude together if married. The situation started when a man who identifies as a woman complained to the state commission. He claimed the SPA's policy was in violation of a state law against discrimination. We spoke with Ryan Halfenbein, executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center, to get his take on the ruling. Ryan Halfenbein, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Ryan, how does this judge's ruling affect
3: religious liberty in Washington state? Well, I mean, it's basically a complete infringement on our first liberties, on our constitutional rights, it's trampling on the rights of these spa owners. I mean, ultimately when you look at the longstanding tradition I when you look at the total of human reality, um, it is the burden of proof to say why transgendered uh, patrons uh, deserve uh, the special classification or the special treatment Um, The burden of proof is really on the court to demonstrate why. I think the spa owners absolutely have had their rights uh, violated, and I think ultimately this should go to the Supreme Court. Do you think it will? I, I think that it very well could. I think that there are organizations out there that would be ready to to jump in uh, and take on that, su- that suit. I mean, anybody like uh, Alliance Defending Freedom or First Liberty Council, there are many um, constitutional conservative organizations that would probably be willing to aid and help uh, these owners. Now, what are the broader implications of this ruling that we just saw? Well, I think that what is most uh, scary about this ruling is the encroachment not only on uh, you know p- political activism in our courts uh, affecting the judiciary and the rule of law, um, but I but I think that what it does is it ultimately undermines our entire constitutional system. We basically have uh, two systems of justice. We have a I believe that um, the LGBTQ plus agenda is really a religion. Uh, in a political ideology masquerading as a new form of freedom. And uh, it's overturning longstanding legal traditions in this country. Um, And it should have no legal basis, honestly, uh, when you consider the fact that anyone can identify with it as as anyone else and then be uh, certainly uh, accommodated for in public. Uh, If somebody says, I want to be... A biological female, and I want to identify as a female, and then going into a spa like this, um, it's certainly a violation of the owner's rights.
0: Now, as the executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center, um, you're, you're basically on the front lines of the fight for civil liberties. Uh,
3: what's being done to protect religious liberties in America right now? Well, I think the the main focus is to ensure that we have the ability to say, and to speak those truths that others might find offensive, that others might disagree with, we have to go and defend our first liberty, our right of freedom of conscience, freedom of assembly, freedom of press, um, and, and religious liberty, which is not just uh, relegated to the, the confines, the four walls of a church, but actually is the ability to speak and proclaim those truths in the public square, in the public arena, uh, you know, we, we want to continue to promote that and to inform pastors, uh, members of churches, um, young people, when you think about the Gen Z and the Gen Alpha generation uh, that are coming up behind Gen Z, informing them of their first liberties and understanding what it is to be Americans.
0: Ryan Halfenbein, executive director of the Standing for Freedom Center, thank you. Thank you, Chris. A new California bill would force insurance companies to cover gay men using surrogate mothers to have kids. To do that, the bill redefines infertility. The new definition would be a person's inability to reproduce without medical intervention, and would classify gay men as infertile. The bill passed the Senate last month, One of its authors is State Senator Caroline Menavar. In her words, it will ensure that queer couples no longer have to pay more out of pocket to start families than non-queer families. The California Family Council opposes the bill. They say it will further erode the father, mother, and child nuclear family. Coming up, the S&P 500 is now in what Wall Street refers to as a bull market. We have that and more just after the break. Welcome back. Billionaire George Soros is handing over his financial empire. His son Alexander is taking over, declaring he's more political than his father. Here's what Alex said in the first interview after the takeover.
4: Billionaire financier George Soros is handing control of his massive empire to his son Alexander. A Soros spokesperson announced the change on Sunday. 37-year-old Alexander Soros would take over the George Soros Foundation and the rest of the $25 billion empire. After taking over the empire, Alexander spoke to the Wall Street Journal, saying about his father, we think alike, while adding, I'm more political. He also expressed concern about former President Trump possibly returning to the White House, suggesting they'll support the Biden campaign to prevent that from happening. In his words, as much as I would love to get money out of politics, as long as the other side is doing it, we will have to do it too. Alex and his father share similar views on liberal causes such as voting systems, access to abortions, and gender equity. On Tuesday last week, before the takeover, Alexander visited Vice President Kamala Harris, posting this picture with her. Senator Marsha Blackburn commented on the visit, saying it's laughable that the left wants you to believe that the Soros family has no influence in politics. George Soros, originally from Hungary, often got into spats with Hungarian right-leaning President Viktor Orban. Borben repeatedly accused Soros of influencing Hungarian elections, for example, in this 2017 interview.
5: They will support publications, do propaganda, strengthen civil groups, and pay hundreds or thousands of people. By election time, they'll establish civil centers, which will work like campaigning parties, meaning the Soros network has entered the Hungarian election campaign.
4: Soros at the time said about Orban.
5: He exploits and oppresses the people who are in the opposition in Hungary. I think the current system is more oppressive than it was during the Russian occupation.
4: Alexander Soros says one topic he disagrees on with many on the left is free speech on college campuses, indicating he wants
0: more open dialogue. The S&P 500 is up 20% from its lowest point in October. This matches the definition of a bull market, at least according to some market participants. Goldman Sachs has now joined the growing list of market strategists who are increasing their year-end S&P 500 targets. For more on this, NTD businesses, Don Ma speaks to a financial advisor.
6: And here to talk to me is Lauren Sprung, Midland Financial. Now the S&P 500 being in a bull market, I, I think it achieved this a few days ago. Uh, with all the talks uh, of a recession this dating back to last year I mean what's driving this is this strange to you uh, it's not
7: strange at all actually. Uh, there's a lot of evidence to support what we've been seeing over the last several months and you know going back looking at the last 13 bear markets, uh, most of them from the time we hit the bottom, which sometimes it's hard to tell what the bottom is. but for this uh, you know bear market that we were in, the the bottom was October 12th. So right now, rallying off that bottom is not an uncommon thing. Typically, in the last 13 bear markets, we've only retraced and backed down to those lows on two of those occasions. And those two occasions are during the financial crisis and the tech bust uh, in the late 90s, which, you know, stocks were it was very difficult to be in stocks then. So this is not uncommon. It actually is more common than uh, than not.
6: I mean, how should we feel about uh, this, uh, this rally within the S&P 500? Uh, are, are recession talks behind us now? Is no recession? well I mean I, I will tell you this myself and those at uh,
7: Carson group who were a part of have been saying for uh, you know since the beginning since going back to October of last year that recession may be unlikely I, I know there's been a lot of talk about it uh, but you know we we've had the stance that we don't know if a recession is even going to happen uh, if it does we think that it's not going to be you know anything that's going to be major impactful you know remember when we started hearing a lot about recession the big impetus was that from uh, was that we were hearing about a lot of layoffs and the reality was if you looked at where those layoffs were taking place they were taking place in those same names we're talking about now right who also went on a hiring spree at the beginning of the pandemic. And the reality is their headcount today is still higher than where it was at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was really just releasing and, and you know, lowering headcount based upon the conditions that exist today. So I- I'm not convinced that we're going to have a recession. And if we are, uh, it's probably not coming in the, in the near
6: term. What are some of your tips to, to investors right now seeing what's happening?
7: Yeah, I mean, listen. We, uh, you know, we've been in constant contact with, uh, with the families that we serve throughout this whole process. You know, starting with October of 2021, we started reducing, uh, you know, longevity on bonds in anticipation of rate hikes going uh, taking place in 2022. I think us, like many others, didn't expect them to go up as quickly as they did, but the reality is, you know, most of the families we serve, they're not traders, so they don't need to worry about the day-to-day the whole idea is let's put together a diversified portfolio and then as these market events unfold make minor adjustments that hopefully will lead to major improvements in the long run so we're not wholeheartedly selling anything you know selling a whole position or buying we're looking at the market as a whole their portfolio as a whole and where we are in relation to what they're personal goals and objectives are. So every family is different. I can't say that we're doing this for everyone, because I I don't think it works that way. So, you know, we have to uh, take that under advice and guidance. We take what's going on in the macro world, and we apply that to the families that we serve.
6: All right. Thank you so much today, Lawrence. Always a pleasure speaking to you. Same, Don. Have a great day
0: coming up the president of honduras met with chinese leader xi jinping on her first trip to china that is the country opens its first embassy in beijing and lionel messi was seized at a beijing airport the argentine soccer star reportedly brought the wrong passport which allowed him to enter taiwan but not mainland china we'll have the details when we return Welcome back. Honduras and China getting a step closer. The president of the Central American country met with Xi Jinping on her first visit to China, that alongside the opening of the first Honduran embassy in China. Honduran President Xiomara Castro attended a welcome ceremony with her Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping. It was after the country's foreign ministers unveiled the Honduran embassy in Beijing. Just a few months ago, Honduras cut off its decades-long ties with Taiwan before setting up diplomatic relations with Beijing. The country is seeking China's support to ease its debt burden. China claims the democratically governed Taiwan as its own territory, saying the island has no right to interstate relations. Taipei strongly opposes that position. Washington is watching with concern as China takes away Taiwan's Central American allies. The White House has warned countries not to trust the Chinese regime's promises of aid. Lionel Messi was detained by Chinese police. The Argentine soccer star landed in Beijing over the weekend for a friendly match against Australia, but he was stopped at the airport due to passport issues. Here's the story.
5: Messi arrived at Beijing airport with his teammates Saturday, surrounded by hundreds of fans and a warm welcome. But something unexpected occurred. The celebrity soccer star was held by customs for nearly three hours because his Spanish passport lacked a visa on arrival for mainland China. A video circulating online shows Messi encircled by Chinese border officials trying to explain himself. Messi holds both Argentine and Spanish passports, and he took the latter for the China trip. Spanish citizens cannot enter China without a visa, but they can visit Taiwan without one. In some reports, Messi was quoted as saying, is Taiwan not China? Messi lifted the World Cup trophy last December and is seen as one of the game's all-time greats. He has a huge fan base in China. Chinese fans complained that the organizers didn't take the situation well into account. Messi has been granted an expedited visa and will be able to play against the Aussies on Thursday. This is Messi's seventh trip to China, including a gold medal winning visit during the 2008 Olympics.
0: Hailstones reaching two inches in diameter battered China's Jiangsu province as hailstorms swept through multiple districts on Saturday. The news was reported on Chinese state TV. Much of the province also experienced torrential rain. A power line in one town was struck by lightning, causing power outages to 150 households. The Jiangsu Meteorological Department says strong rain is forecast to continue until Wednesday. Chinese authorities on Sunday renewed their lowest-level alert for rainstorms. The affected area includes regions in five provinces. Up to five inches of rain is expected in the northern part of Hainan province. A British man today attempted to scale the world's fifth tallest building in Seoul, South Korea, until he was forced to abandon the climb. A video released by a local fire station show the man climbing on the facade of the 123-story Lotte World Tower with his bare hands. He was more than an hour into his ascent and on the 73rd floor when authorities forced him to get into a maintenance cradle and enter the building. The 24-year-old man was handed over to the police for questioning. And if you have any news, tips, or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And a three-time Italian prime minister passed away today. He also created the country's largest media company. Learn more about his impact. And a church in Germany tried out an AI-generated service. But churchgoers' reactions were mixed. More shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Former Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi died today at age 86. The four-time Prime Minister was also a billionaire who created the country's largest media company. Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney paid tribute to Berlusconi.
8: Silvio Berlusconi was most of all a fighter. He was a man who never feared to defend his beliefs. It was that courage, that determination, which made him one of the most influential men in Italy's history.
0: Berlusconi was admitted to a hospital in Milan on Friday. He suffered from chronic leukemia, heart ailments, and prostate cancer. A one-time cruise ship crooner, Berlusconi used his television networks and immense wealth to launch his long political career, inspiring both loyalty and loathing. To admirers, he was a capable and charismatic statesman who sought to elevate Italy on the world stage. To critics, he was a populist who threatened to undermine democracy by wielding political power as a tool to enrich himself and his businesses. The longest-serving Italian premier counted Russian President Vladimir Putin as a friend and was known for his girlfriends who were decades younger. His Forza Italian party is part of the current right-wing coalition, although he held no position in the government. Ukraine said it has liberated four villages after it acknowledged over the weekend that the long-awaited counter-offensive had begun. But Russia said their troops have
9: largely held their ground. Ukraine said on Monday, its troops had recaptured a fourth village from Russian forces and a cluster of settlements in the Southeast. At first, the enemy resisted, tried to repel our attack with artillery, We managed to take initiative into our hands, and slowly, house by house, we started to recapture the village. Kiev said on Sunday its forces had liberated three villages in Donetsk. Ukraine's capture of the villages in a matter of days is its most rapid advance for seven months, though it's still short of a major breakthrough of Russia's deep offensive lines. The claimed advance adds up to just three miles in total, still 60 miles from the Azov Sea coast. Meanwhile, Russia's defence ministry said on Monday it had repelled attempted offensives by Ukrainian forces in the Donetsk and Zaporizhia regions. A local official said on Monday water levels in the Kherson region had dropped to 10 feet from Thursday's peak of 18 feet average. Drone footage shows most of Kherson remained inundated following the destruction of a strategically important dam in southern Ukraine. Over 200 square miles of land on both banks of the Dnipro River were flooded, prompting mass evacuation of residents.
0: A new week, a new warning about artificial intelligence. And policymakers around the world are racing to regulate it. That includes lawmakers in the European Union who will vote on a draft set of rules for AI this week. Here's NTD's Jane Werrell with more.
10: The rapid advancement of artificial intelligence conjures both excitement and fear. Governments are talking about how to regulate it. This week, European lawmakers will vote on a draft AI law. One of the members of the European Parliament leading the negotiations, Brando Benifei, says while the US and the European Union won't have exactly the same rules, they share the same outcome to reduce risks.
3: I was myself in US uh, also last week, a meeting with the White House, uh, Congress, and agencies of all kinds. Uh, The idea of a risk uh, mitigation framework, of a risk identification approach, is uh, a common approach that we share also with other G7 countries. The EU's
10: draft law proposes to categorise AI into different risk levels, where AI tech that's classed with an unacceptable level of risk will face bans.
8: Biometric
3: identification uh, in public spaces uh, that could lead to mass surveillance, um, predictive policing social scoring emotional recognition in workplaces and in schools all these areas we want to ban the use of ai the law
10: also requires content created by generative ai like ChatGPT, gpt to be marked as generated by ai and any copyrighted materials used to train the ai would need to be disclosed the proposed law faces a key vote this week and another crunch vote at the start of next year, before it's gradually implemented across the European Union. Jane Worrell, NTD News, London.
0: Staying with moves to regulate AI, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says measures are needed to protect against the extreme risks of the technology. He wants the UK to be home to a global AI regulator. NTD's Malcolm Hudson has more. The British Prime Minister wants the UK to be the
11: global leader in artificial intelligence regulation. Rishi Sunak said the technology has the power to transform work into public services. Speaking of the London Tech Week conference, he also noted concerns about bad actors misusing AI. The possibilities are extraordinary. But we must and we will do it safely. I want to make the UK not just the intellectual home, but the geographical home of global AI safety regulation. Sunak said the tech sector is at the heart of his priority to grow the British economy. He also acknowledged concerns that employees were worried about losing their jobs. Sunak spoke alongside Google's DeepMind boss, Demis Hassabis. Hassabis is among industry experts, signing a statement saying that mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority. The statement compared the potential risks from the technology to pandemics and nuclear war. During Sunak's visit to Washington last week, President Joe Biden gave his backing for Britain to host an AI summit in the fall. It will consider the risks of the technology and discuss how they can be mitigated through internationally coordinated action. Malcolm Hudson, NTD News, London.
0: Artificial Intelligence in Action. A church in Germany recently held an experimental service generated by AI. The 40-minute service, which included sermons, prayers, and music, was created by AI chatbot ChatGPT and a theologian from the University of Vienna in Austria.
9: I would say about 98% comes from the machine, generally speaking. And what we are going to experience today is an effort of us as human beings to stay out of the creation of the church service.
0: The service was led by four different avatars on the screen, two young women and two young men. They preached about leaving the past behind, focusing on the challenges of the present and overcoming fear of death. The event drew such an immense interest that people started lining up outside the church an hour before it began. Churchgoers burst out laughing when the AI-generated avatar used platitudes. Some said they found the service not personal enough and lacking emotionality. After the break, the Vatican Museum recreates a historic pharmacy once run by nuns. Complete with historical containers, glassware, and other items will take you there. And a stunning work of art, a room in a Russian palace is decorated entirely with amber. Stay tuned for more on the Restoration when we return. Welcome back. The Vatican Museums have recreated a historic pharmacy once run by nuns. NTD's and Andrew Thomas has the details on the CVS's and Walgreens of the past.
8: These light blue vases are part of a new collection at the Vatican Museums. Nuns used these artifacts at the historic Rome pharmacy.
4: Where we are now, you can see the pharmacy of Santa Cecilia in Trastevere, the ancient apothecary shop,
9: reconstructed
4: and rearranged with all the original objects. The majolica set of apothecary objects. The furniture, the containers, and above all, the ingredients still contain inside the jars, which makes this complex truly unique and extraordinary.
8: Ingredients such as animal bones and tools that were used to make medicines fill exhibits. Containers, glassware, and other items dating back to the 17th century have been preserved.
4: This transfer froze the still operating pharmacy in time, so much so that we find containers, crockery, glassware, objects from the first decades of the 17th century, when Cardinal Paolo Emilio Sfondari invested in the new supply of goods to the Benedictine Monastery and objects from the first decades of the 20th century.
8: Many of the glazed objects were made by master potters. The craftsmen used kilns and workshops owned by the monastery itself. Ceramic saucers inscribed with the initials of nuns were used to prepare a range of medicines. They were then preserved in vases, drawers, and bottles.
4: the cobalt blue painted Majolica collection with the inscription on the front of the vases containing the name of the medicine.
8: Another exhibit houses the entirety of the Vatican's collection of medieval and modern ceramics for the first time. One thousand years of Italian ceramics are represented here.
12: What we have behind me
4: is one of the most probably empathic uh, collection, the the, um, Renaissance uh, 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 collection of uh, dishes and uh, ceramics.
8: The pharmacy was one of about 80 that existed in Rome. They provided medicine for the 60 or so nuns of the monastery, as well as the monastery's 200 employees. Andrew Thomas, NTD News a room adorned entirely with
0: amber. The crown jewel of Russia's Catherine Palace has been restored to its former glory. Let's take a journey back to the days of the Tsars. Six
13: tons of amber molded into panels covering every inch of the chamber. The Amber Room was part of Catherine the Great's summer palace sitting on the outskirts of St. Petersburg. It was restored 20 years ago after being looted by Nazi forces in World War II.
4: It turned out to be a really good, seamless, homogeneous piece. The room is a work of art because during the room's life, there had been lots of restorations. They weren't done professionally, as people had lost their skills and there were no masters to work with this style. Here is a complete piece of art that is really pleasant to look at.
13: Alexander Krylov was one of the two master craftsmen in charge of the restoration after the decision was made in the late 1970s. The task was a daunting one. Krylov said the team fought all temptation to add their own twist to the room's original decor, and their only reference was old, low-quality black-and-white photos.
10: They needed to sort out the details of those ornaments and understand what tone the amber needed to be. These black-and-white photos were taken in 1935 and 1940. They were of bad quality. We exhibit them so visitors can understand the problems the restorers faced at that time.
13: There remained a point of contention. To take the chance and change the hue of the amber artificially, or to leave it as it darkened naturally over time.
10: There were people who were against changing the amber's color. Some of the scientists said that there was no need to tint or color the amber, that it should be left as they cut and processed it. They said the panels should be kept light as they would darken over time. But that would have gone against the historical
13: truth. The Amber Room finally opened in 2003 to much fanfare. Russian President Vladimir Putin welcomed a host of world leaders for the occasion.
0: And finally, one of the leading international competitions held by New Tang Dynasty Television, the 6th NTD International Figure Painting Competition, has provided artists around the world with a global stage. The closing date for entries is the 15th of this month. NTD has conducted an exclusive interview with the jury chair, Professor Kunlun Zhang, to share the cultural significance of this international competition.
14: After four years, the NTD International Figure Painting Competition has returned. The competition is centered around the theme Pure Truth, Kindness, and Beauty. It requires participants to use the traditional realistic method to complete their entries so that human society can return to the orthodox art form that was passed down by the divine culture.
5: This is the purpose of the traditional culture handed down by divine beings. God not only created humans in his own image, but also established standards for human behavior and culture so people can return to their original home in paradise only by following the traditions and the path of the traditional culture passed down by divine beings.
14: Throughout the history of human art development, artistic works have had a direct effect on the social atmosphere and people's values. Professor Kunlun Zhang also pointed out that the artist's moral quality will influence the message and value of the piece, along with viewers' aesthetics and mindset.
5: One modernist artist who is very famous used realistic approaches to present modern ideology. Many museums are holding art exhibitions or making collections of his paintings. But after participating in our competition, he realized his old methods were wrong. He said this competition held by NTD has such a wonderful theme. He too wants to go back to the traditional way.
14: The competition also wishes to encourage artists to take on social responsibilities and work collectively to revive traditional values.
5: The duty and responsibility of an artist is to use their work to elevate the ideological level of human society and optimize the entire civilization. In this process, they also develop their own powerful virtue, paving the way for them to return
14: to the heavenly world. The registration deadline for this year's competition is June 15th. Shortlisted works will have the opportunity to be displayed in New York City. There will also be cultural exchanges, auctions, and other activities. Shortlisted works will also have the chance to be selected for the global exhibition.
5: Some artists have commented that the competition organized by the NTD is like a lighthouse in the dark that lit the path of navigation. It's an
12: honor to be here at this competition where there's so many excellent paintings. The focus is on truth
1: and beauty in art. So thank you very much, and I'm honored to meet all of you. Being in this competition kind of just gave me the support I
14: needed and the energy to keep going. Since NTD held the first competition in 2008, it has attracted an increasing number of artists to devote themselves to artistic creations. It has also received attention from the international mainstream art world. In the last competition, held in 2019, 260 artists from 46 countries gathered in New York City.
11: And I'm an artist that's been painting for over 50 years. I was just thankful that I was in the New Tang Dynasty competition. There were artists from all over the world. And the subject matter was very compelling. Their purity is beautiful. And it makes me feel good that the competition make them more aware of the goodness God provides. God is giving us all this beauty.
14: You know it when you see it. It makes you happy. Faye Quarter, NTD News.
0: Now on to some health tips. Today NTD's Gina Marie dives into dental health. Did you know some foods are good for your teeth? Your strong mind and body.
12: are one of the first things that someone notices when you smile, talk, and eat. Fortunately, there are tasty and healthy foods that can help you to keep a sparkling set of teeth. Number one on the list is cheese. Cheese contains calcium and is great for strengthening teeth. It also contains milk protein, which can help to control the loss of minerals from tooth enamel. Eating cheese also increases your pH. This lowers the risk of tooth decay. Yogurt with no added sugar strengthens your teeth and is good for your gums. Yogurt contains good bacteria which may reduce the chances of cavities and protects tooth enamel. There are also many cultured non-dairy yogurts available. Broccoli, spinach, kale, and other leafy green vegetables are great. They have a lot of minerals, fiber, and calcium, which is often more absorbable than the calcium in dairy. Kiwis contain a lot of nutrients and few calories. They have a lot of calcium and protein, which helps to strengthen your teeth. Those minerals and kiwi's high fiber content are great for saliva. It can reduce acid harmful to your teeth. Did you know that you can eat the skin of kiwi too? That makes it even more nutrient dense. Avocado has vitamin C, vitamin B5, potassium, and prebiotic fiber. This nutritious fruit is a must for your oral health. It contains many vitamins and proteins that can benefit tooth enamel and strengthen your teeth. Avocado can help you to avoid damage from acidic foods and cavities. That nice sound you hear while you take a bite of carrot is fiber. Fiber helps you to increase saliva and flush bacteria from your mouth. Also, carrots have vitamin A, which is great for your teeth and helps to whiten them. Just like the carrots, celery has fiber and water content. They help produce saliva to wash away bacteria while massaging your gums as you chew. Carrots and celery also have nutrients to strengthen your eyes, liver, and teeth. Just like the leafy green vegetables, almonds have a large amount of calcium and protein. These nuts are full of antioxidants and vitamin E, which can help to strengthen your teeth. An apple a day keeps the doctor away and also the dentist. If you love apples, then you just found another reason to eat them. Apples have plenty of fiber and water content, and their crunchy bite strengthens your gums.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to share any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at NTD.com. I'm Chris Beers and you're watching NTD News, New York City.